Well, good. Well, have you recovered from uh, last weekend? I have. I have. I, 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 I have indeed recovered. I mean, I'm still suffering from the head wound provided to me by uh, by my lovely bride. But uh, yeah, how'd that all come about? Well, I have very little memory of uh, of what happened due to the related head wound. But right. uh, um, you know, I was, as I recall, and as I have been told. Um, I was leaning over to put the collar on the dog so that he could go outside. He has a, you know, a special uh, collar that keeps him from bouncing through the fence. So yeah, yeah, I put the collar on, and as I was doing that, apparently, and this is what sources tell me, um, I smarted off to the wife about something. So she moved to strike me, and in the process of striking me, knocked me off balance and sent me crashing into the hard edge of the. Uh, the chair at the kitchen table, which, you know, left a, a, a rather uh, sizable wound in the center of my forehead. I see. Have now, you had sport that all week or is it is it looking pretty good? Um, it's I, it is now turned into a nice green bruise. Oh, if you'd only done this around Ash Wednesday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It would it would sort have of blame been, it on that. Yeah. What I've been telling people is that, uh, you know, Suzanne has a mood ring, right, that she wears. And when she's happy, it's blue. And when she's unhappy, it leaves a mark like this on my forehead. <laughs> nice. It's a good turn. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hi, I'm Aaron. I'm Mark. And uh, Mark and I uh, are reminiscing about last Friday night when uh, he and I attended the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society of America's Whiskey Extravaganza. As far as we can remember. As far as sources tell us that we attended this event. Um, But fortunately, we have some evidence because we were permitted to record the Highland Park Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Masterclass that we attended, hosted by Steph Ridgeway, who uh, paired, I just thought this was marvelous and and particularly uh, appropriate to Mark and I, paired uh, Highland Park's uh, Single Malt Scotch Whiskey with Texas Craft Beer. And so, yeah, what, what, yeah. And although I, I wish that they would have pushed out a little bit more uh, with the different breweries, but I understand some of their some of their limitations. But I, I just really thought, you know, that's something that we kind of do on the podcast anyway, not intentionally. <laughs> uh, right. But I, I just thought it was kind of a genius thing to do. It been pretty obvious, but yeah, but pretty genius. Yeah. Uh, genius and obvious all at the same time. Uh I, it, uh, it it really kind of provided me something that I'm going to be trying on my own and perhaps something that we'll be trying on the podcast here in the future. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and, and play that master class with Steph Ridgeway at the Whiskey Extravaganza here in beautiful scenic my class Dallas, aside, Texas. Just the whole, here we go. The whole extravaganza adventure is just a ton of fun. Uh, my name is Steph Ridgeway. I'm the national brand ambassador for Highland Park Single Malt Scotch. Uh, yes, it is a job. Yes, I've managed to find a way to have whiskey pay my mortgage. Imagine that. Yeah, um, I get a lot of resumes and marriage proposals because uh, it's a thing. Um, just a couple of things before we get started here. First and foremost, how many people in this room are fans of Highland Park Single Malt? I love it when I see rooms go up. How many people that aren't fans are, aren't familiar and this is your first experience with it tonight? Oh, you're my three new best friends. Yay! You're going to walk out of here true adorers. Um, real quick on, on Highland Park and who we are. We are uh, a part of a group called Edrington, uh, the Edrington Group out of Scotland. Okay, everybody with me? Okay, cool. Uh, Edgerton Group out of Scotland owns a portfolio of very, very, very well-respected luxury whiskeys. In fact, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar um, or, or aren't yet a fan of the brand, our sister distillery is a little guy... How does Speyside, I, I always get confused because we have so many. It starts with an M, M, McAllen. Yeah, everybody, everybody goes, oh, the McAllen. So um, two entirely different styles of whiskey. I'd just like to bring that up so you know what kind of company we keep. Okay, when we talk dedication, 
uh, luxury, beautiful, amazing single malt scotch whiskey. That's the kind of company we keep. Uh, how many people have a phone with them tonight? Thank you. Can you please turn it to silent? Okay. <laughs> so my kind of hanging out. I didn't hear you call. But it's 2 o'clock on a Monday. I'm like, ah, oh, it was on silent. Um, I do get asked a question quite frequently, uh, and that is if I'm Scottish or not. And the answer is yes, by consumption. <laughs> Good, thank you. I tell that joke to make sure you're paying attention. What we are about to embark on here tonight is an adventure to discover what I like to call the original Scottish cocktail. All right? And that, my friends... Oh, let's talk about social media first, because that's really important. For those of you who are active and do that manner of thing, if you would like to follow us, U.S. Highland Park, I am at Whiskey Chick. U.S. Highland Park uh, on Twitter and um, Steph Ridgeway on Facebook. So for anybody that's interested in that sort of thing, we appreciate it. If you look at the bottom of your tasting mat, the hashtag Dram and Craft, if you would like to, and we track that. So if we get some really good photos, we like to uh, use them and give you photo credit on our, on our, uh, on our channels. So, the original Scottish cocktail. How many people now and again like to enjoy a fine craft beer? Good. Well, if you, if, you, if you didn't raise your hands with the number of breweries that you have here in Texas, I think you might get your Texas card revoked because I've spent a significant amount of time visiting them this week, and boy, has it been fun. But if you don't know anything about the distilling process, these are two spirits that are literally separated at birth. We start out life exactly the same. We are malting barley, and then we are putting it into a wash pack, adding yeast to it, and creating wort, which brings you to about 8% ABV. Now, here's where each of these spirits are handed the little separate amulet, like a half. Like one goes one direction, off down to the brewery with a bunch of hops in it. The other goes the other direction, into the stills, into the distillery. Well, what we're doing here tonight is we're reuniting these spirits because it only makes sense to bring them back together. Um, Why does this even make sense? I travel a lot to Scotland. And when I'm in Scotland, I may have to find myself visiting a pub or two. Research and development. I have to do it. And while I'm there, and the last time I was there, I started to notice. I was like, well, huh. I'm sitting there, and I'm seeing people drinking beautiful little half pints of beer, which how many people have traveled to the UK? Isn't it great that they serve half pints in bars there? What is up, America? I want half pints in my bars. That might be my next big adventure, to go on a mission to get half pints. But I know, I have enough on my plate. They're drinking half pints of beer, and they're drinking a finger of whiskey. But they're not doing it like we tend to drink our beer and whiskey in the U.S., which is what? Shot and a beer, right? I'm from Pittsburgh. I know from shots and beers. Okay? If you want to talk to me about Imperial Whiskey in Iron City, we can talk about that all day, too. All right? This was about an occasion. This was about I'm having a conversation with you. This is about you and I are going to go shooting a stick. This is about you and I are going to be watching soccer. You and I, you and I, Do I think for even a nanosecond that any of these guys were taking time to think about the flavor profile of the beer and the flavor profile of the whiskey and how they can come together? They weren't thinking about that at all. They were thinking about a nice half pint of ice cold tenant and probably a finger or two of famous grouse because that's the number one whiskey in Scotland. If you didn't know it, you heard it here first. We own that brand too, so plug for that. But it got me to thinking... Here in the middle of craft beer palooza, I mean, you can't shake a stick in a liquor store or a bar without 750 million different options on craft beer. Why don't we come back and see how we can make this work in the United States? So it has been my, my mission for the past year, I literally, and this is no joke, have been marching around the country, visiting breweries, it's a tough gig. Somebody's got to do it. 
taking my whiskey and saying, let me see how well my whiskey compares with any of your beers. And the beers that we've chosen tonight are all from Texas because because Texas, right? God bless Texas. Uh, you've got some fine stuff here. I will guarantee you that some of the stuff that you taste tonight, you will look at me like I have lobsters crawling out of my ears, okay? Like, what the hell was she thinking? And that's okay. But I also guarantee you, I'm going to guarantee you three things. I'm going to guarantee you four. You're going to walk away with one that you think spectacular, and they're not all going to match. You are definitely going to go home and say, I want to try this on my own. And I am guaranteeing you're going to have a good time tonight. So I think that all adds up to a pretty wonderful little little pre pre whiskey fest. Plus, you're going to you're going to be drinking beer in here today when everybody out there is after some point they're going to be like, oh, I wish I had a beer. And you go, oh, I had that covered earlier. All right. So why Highland Park? Why does this make sense for Highland Park? Highland Park, I like to think, is the perfect balance of smoky and sweet. We age our whiskey in 100% ex Oloroso seasoned sherry casks. We're not, we don't use ex spent bourbon, right? We own our cask process from the acorn to when we put new make spirit in there. We invest probably about $1,200 per cask because roughly 80% of the flavor of the whiskey, we believe, comes from the style of wood, the type of wood that it's aged in. So we're putting our money where our mouth is. Why Oloroso Sherry? Because it adds this just beautiful, lovely hint of sweetness. Okay, we're using a combination of European oak and American oak. Some casks are built out of American. We source that wood here in the Ozarks. We source our European oak in the north of Spain. We build the casks. We ship the casks down to sherry-producing partners in the south of Spain, in the Erez region. Can everybody hear me back there? Yeah, okay. We fill them with whiskey and we send them back up to the island and we let them, we let the, the magic work. Or we, we send them back up to the island, fill them with the whiskey, age them and let the magic happen. That wood is where we get this, the sweet side of the balance. How many people in this room, I'm guessing we're all whiskey fans across the board, right? We like stuff. How many people in this room occasionally like to um, enjoy or indulge yourself in an Isla whiskey? A lot of people like it sucking on wet campfire logs in this room. And that's, I, I say that without fear. If Simon Brooking was here, I'd say it to him. But it is like wet wood. In the Orkney Islands, where we're distilled off the northern coast of the mainland, eight, or 100 days out of the year, we have 80-mile-an-hour winds. It's just a fact of life up there. Show hands, or anybody shout out, how many big, giant trees do you think are, are able to survive in that climate? Yeah, the answer is goose egg. We do have trees. They're all like this high and sideways. And there are actually a few little palm trees because we're an island. Not a tropical island, but an island nonetheless. So if there are no trees on your island and you have a peat bog from which you're cutting your peat to to smoke your, your barley, to peat your whiskey, but there's no trees in there, your peat's not gonna smell like a campfire log when you burn it. What we have that influences our peat is Scottish heather, which is a low to the ground, beautiful purple floral shrub. So you stand out on our peat hill and you can look for miles and it's just, when the, when the heather's in bloom, it's just gorgeous, deep purple and then there's some rare white heather that's there. It's stunning. And when you cut our peat, you burn it, that's what the influence is. That's the root structure in our peat hill. It smells like incense. It really smells like incense. And that's where that the, the gentle smoke comes. So we've got the perfect balance of smoky and sweet from aging in 100% Oloroso seasoned sherry casks and the aromatic heather-infused peat that we smoke our malt with. Pretty, pretty cool, huh? All right, so there's a ton of flavor profile in Highland Park. For the user, for you agree, it's a show of hands, Highland Park 12 drinkers. I'm a Highland Park. That's the, best, that's the best value in single malt. Even if they didn't pay me, I'd say that. Um, you know, it's, it's a balance between honey and spiciness. And then, you know, you get some smoke. When you get into the 15, because we use a little bit more American oak on that, a little bit of camphor is going to come out. There's this whole, like, symphony of flavor that goes on with Highland Park. Not a single one of our expressions is a Johnny One note. You can pull a whole bunch of stuff out of there. Well, guess what? For our craft beer drinking brigade in here, same thing occurs with the fine craft beer. You know, you're pulling out hoppy, you're pulling out citrus, you're pulling out honey, you're pulling out toffee. It makes sense to say, all right, what can this whiskey do to this beer and what can this beer do to this whiskey? 
And it's just got, they both got a full flavor profile. You guys with me so far? This is a big tea up, right? And you've got a lot of whiskey and beer in front of you. So I'm going to stop talking and we're going to let the bottles. All right. First things first. Everybody raise your left hand. I like watching this because some people have to think about it. We're starting on the left side of the tasting mat. (laughs) Why do I do that? Because if I don't do the gut check, somebody inevitably is going to start on the right side of the tasting mat and go, what the heck is she talking about? Nothing tastes like what she just said. So we're starting on the left. On the top, you see a row of whiskeys. On the bottom, you see a row of beers. The beer directly below the whiskey is the one we're going to pair. I want you guys to stick with me because there's a little bit of a process to this so that we can get the full effect of what the whiskey is bringing out in the beer and vice versa, okay? So we want to pick up that glass, that beautiful glass of Highland Park 12-year, okay? Um, take a look at it. You want to hold it up to the light? And it, it, it's, it looks like honey. It's glowing amber. Show or just shout out, what do you think you can tell by looking at the color of the whiskey? This is interactive. I can't be the only one talking. Sometimes, yes. Um, anybody else? <laughs> you? You and I are going to lead along just fine. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little insider secret. You can't tell a damn thing. Here's why. Well, with our whiskey, you can tell. Because we do not use distiller's caramel to color it. This is 100% natural color from that spirit spending time against that cask, what he just said. Typically, distillers will use distiller's caramel. It's perfectly legal. It's odorless, flavorless. It's just for consistency. Because no matter how hard we try, you're going to get some differences in casks. And you, the consumer, would like to be assured that what you bought last time is what you bought. But we do not. 100% color. So there you go. Next time somebody tells you, you see them doing this and this, you say, nothing, buddy. All right, next thing, up to the nose. You want to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Why? We bottle this at 43% ABV. That's 86 proof in our speak. The first nose of a whiskey is you burning off your nose hair. It's the alcohol. That's all that is. And if you continue to breathe out through your nose, you're never going to allow your olfactory to acclimate. So all you're going to do is continue to burn off your nose hairs. So breathing through your mouth cleans up the olfactory and it lets you get a real good sense of the nose of the whiskey. A little bit of smoke in there, eh? But it's not campfire log smack you in the head smoke. It's very gentle. Remember, I said it's aromatic. All right, so enough's enough. When you take a sip of Highland Park, we consider ourselves to be a very chewy whiskey. What do I mean by chewy? Chew like you chew gum. Remember that 43% ABV I talked to you about? You got to acclimate all your taste buds. When you chew it, it releases your saliva, and that's going to open it up, and your taste buds are going to get used to that 43, and that's when you're going to start tasting the true flavors of the whiskey. So let's have a sip of it. How many people get spicy? How many people get the smoke on the back end? How many people find it to be viscous? It was sticky in your mouth. All right. That's how to taste the whiskey. The process for the beer pairing will go this way. And we're all going to do it together, and I want you to say it. It's going to be whiskey, beer, whiskey. On the count of three. Whiskey, beer, whiskey. Why? You're going to wake your taste buds up with this 43% ABV. When you step into the beer pairing, it's going to start to pull out flavor notes that you wouldn't find there had you not had the sip of whiskey. When you get back to the whiskey, what the beer has done to your palate is going to allow you to see things in the whiskey that you didn't see before. So, the beer that I chose to pair with this one tonight is the Deep Ellum Pale Ale. 6% ABV, which is not super high for some of these crafties. I've gone up to, I've done stuff up to like 14%. That gets a little scary after two. Um, 35 IBU. And for those of you who don't know what an IBU is, that's a beer speak term for international bitterness units. Um, That is what's going to let you know or give you some sense of how hoppy it will be. Bittery, all right? Anything under 50 is considered low. 
Um, it's like when you get up into the 60s and 70s, when you get those double hops or hophead IPAs, that you just drink them in your mouth, curls up. One thing about this, I would suggest not trying it with Uber Pete or Uber Hop, because it's just, your, your palate's going to be so like fatigued from the peat and or the hop, find things that kind of float along the middle. All right, so a lot of citrus notes on this beer, and that's why I like it, because I find that this particular expression of Highland Park does not have a lot of citrus notes. So, all right, how, do, how, how are we doing this again? Okay, so back to the whiskey. Chewed up, mouth's awake. Now let's take a little sip of the beer. Tastes like an orange peel under my tongue. But the hoppy bitterness, do you feel it drying out on the finish? And it's like you feel the little bitterness right about here. Mouth's watering a little bit. Your palate's cleansed. Now go back to the whiskey. All the sweet honey in this Highland Park just comes straight to the front. What did you think of this one? This one to me, I got two thumbs up back there and a smile. Do you work for Deep Ellum or you just like this? This, of all the pairings that we're going to do tonight, I call this my least cerebral pairing. It means I don't have to think about it. It just, holy crap, it's citrus. Oh my God, it's honey. It just happens. This is a pair you could see hanging out with your friends. Like, doing nothing in particular. You could be on a patio. You could be, you know, you could be playing cards. Heck, I could just finish laundry and I'm going to drink this. I'm giving you a little insight into the world that is Steph, okay? But this is just fun. What did you guys think of it? Show of hands, who liked this pairing? Cool. All right. So on to the next one, because I, they told me, Beth has said to me in no uncertain terms, am I allowed to go past seven? I, in that, my world, that's about 7.10, but that's been <laughs> All right, so now we're going to go on to the next pairing, and that is the Highland Park 15 with the Deep Ellum again, Dallas Ball. So, and I picked it because today I'm a Dallas broad. So, Highland Park 15. Pardon me? Third round. Oh, oh, third round. I'm sorry. No, we're skipping. Oh, that's right. We're skipping over the Dark Origins and going to the Highland Park 15. They made my placemats a little out of whack for me. That's why. Sorry, confusion. Left hand. We're still following me. All right. So, Highland, that's the next pairing. So, skip over that Dark Origins one. Go to the third pairing. Highland Park 15. Of all the whiskey that we have on the table here today, it is my, per, my personal favorite. This is where my palate lands. Remember how I said we use a combination of European and American oak? This one has a higher percentage of American sherry seasoned oak in the vatic. The others clock a little higher on the European oak. All still seasoned with sherry, but American oak nonetheless. What does that mean to you in the whiskey? That means that this whiskey is going to have more flavors that you would get. How many bourbon drinkers? What's the one big thing you like when you drink bourbon? For me, it's the vanilla. I love the vanilla on bourbon. That's from the American oak. You're going to get more vanilla here. You're going to get more fresh fruit versus dried. Think citrus. Think banana. Think pineapple. Think papaya. Starfruit. Kiwi. You're going to get floral versus spice. European oak gives you things like raisins and dates and figs. American oak gives you apple. American oak gives you, um, like we said, the fresh fruits. European oak gives you spicy. Think cinnamon, cardamom, um, uh, uh, coriander. American oak gives you floral. Think roses. European oak gives you stuff like sticky toffee pudding. American oak gives you creme brulee, if you want to put it into context. I chose the Dallas Blonde because A, it's a low ABV. It's 5.2 and relatively low. Um, Hardly any bitterness. What I like about this pairing is I can imagine myself on a boat. I can imagine myself like out on a patio. This one is just easy to drink. But when we do the 15, I'm going to give you a little, a little cool thing. I call this my Jekyll Hyde whiskey. You're going to sip, you're going to get it on the nose and you get a slight hint of camphor. Band-Aid. And that's perfectly acceptable uh, aroma in a whiskey that's got peat. 
Onto the palate, right at the beginning, you're going to get some butterscotch sweetness. Mid-palate, it's going to dry the heck up. Beginning of the finish, you're going to go, there's my Highland Park sweet. It's back. Thank you. All is right with my world. Right here. It's going to take a crazy left-hand turn and dry the heck up again. And you're going to go, I guess I have to take another sip because I couldn't quite figure that out. But we're going to just go. We're going to take the sip of the whiskey. We're going to jump into the beer and back to the whiskey, okay? So whiskey, beer, whiskey. I get yeasty notes off of the beer, and my citrus here is more like lemons and limes, where the other one was oranges. Now back to the whiskey. Smoked butterscotch when I go back to the whiskey. Highland Park 15. Remember I said perfect balance of smoky and sweet. The 12 to me is like smoked honey. The 15 is if I took that creme brulee and I just torched that that sugar crust a little too much. What do you think of this one? Easy to drink. This one, it, this one's almost dangerously easy to drink. Okay. <laughs> Like I, I could, you could be into this one, two or three. And with a 5.2 ABV. Another thing that this 15 pairs with, if it's something you want to go try on your own, um, a Saison, like a good Belgian farmhouse. Mm-hmm. I, like one of my favorites actually is Goose Island out of Chicago. The, their Sophie is lovely with this. But I want to stick to Texas. All right? Okay, so we're going to go to the Highland Park 18 year now. But there's something magical that happens when you sip a dram of Highland Park 18 that we have to do all together before we do the beer, right? Remember, keep this in mind, we're distilled on an island. So we're going to do this all together. We're going to take a nose of the whiskey, and then we're going to take a sip. And we're going to chew, like I said, we're chewy. And while we're chewing, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And on the count of three is when you're going to swallow. And then I'm going to count to five, and you're all going to see a little magic happen in your mouth. Okay? So take a nose. Gorgeous toffee, Oloroso sherry, just a lot of people's desert island bottle of whiskey. All right, take a sip. Okay. So how many people, on about the count of three after you swallowed, felt the size of your cheek and the side of your tongue just dry up. And now what's your mouth doing? You're slobbering. Uh, yes, you all are slobbering. It's, it's, you're salivating. It's crazy. It's a magic moment. I guarantee you this will not happen with any other whiskey, any other spirit. There's two ways to, descri- there's two ways to explain this. The first way is that there are two things that go into making a fine single malt. One is absolute science, and the other is dark art, magic. Um, We lay this whiskey down into these casks, and we tuck it in, and we sing it a song, and every once in a while we check on it, and every once in a while we take a little spirit thief, and we dip in, and we take a look and see how it's doing, and we take care of it. And in Highland Park's case, remember I told you we are distilled on an island? It's not an island, uh, tropical, remember, but it's an island. These casks sit aging for a minimum of 18 years on an island. How many people have been to the beach? And you've walked around the beach for the day, and you come in at night. What do your lips taste like? What's your skin taste like? Salt. 18 plus years aging in sea mist. Salt. So that stuff affects everything. So it stands to reason that it's affecting our casks. And whatever's affecting our casks is ultimately going to affect our whiskey. So what you just tasted there, pure and simple, was Orkney sea mist. We were not distilled in the Orkney Islands. I get goosebumps when I tell that story. If we were not distilled on the Orkney Islands, you would not have that. That's the explanation number one. Explanation number two is it's your mouth saying, shut up and give me another dram of Highland Park 18. So... The beer that we've decided to pair with this desert island bottle of whiskey is the Temptress from the Lakewood Brewing Company. It is an imperial milk stout. And this is one of my favorite pairings. Um, I was out at Lakewood the other day and actually had a ton of fun wandering around in their barrel aging room. And if you do follow me, you'll see me leaning on those barrels drinking Dark Origins, and we'll talk about that. 
This one is a 9.1 ABV, so we've kicked it up a notch, ladies and gentlemen. But what this beer brings to the table is just all chocolatey, coffee, just sheer deliciousness. Okay, so we're gonna start again with a sip of the whiskey. Now, a sip of the beer. Yum. And now another sip of the whiskey. The pairing of fine single malt, this one everybody got quiet, like you had to think about it. You had to reflect on it. It was a sacred moment. It was a sacred moment, exactly. <laughs> the first one, non-cerebral. This one, your brain gets involved. It goes past your taste buds. This one, my occasion, is I'm probably around a fire pit. I might be listening to Muddy Waters. Uh, maybe I'm just, something went wrong and I've got to read some Keats. I don't know, but this one is big and it's bold and it invokes something. And if you are a, a, a connoisseur of cigars, you could pair one of these with them. So what did you think of this pairing? Hey, oh, we got the thumbs up. Cool. So two thumbs up. Oh, with the 12 and the 18, neck and neck. I, before we get on to our last one, which we skipped on the, on the, on the mat, are, is this, are you guys having fun? Oh, yeah. Because I guaranteed you a good time, and I can't go back on my word, which means if I have to wrestle you to the ground to make sure you're having a good time, you will. <laughs> um, what do you think of it as a, as, a, as a thing? What do you think of it as a, something you'd go home and do? How many people, when they read my invitation, thought, is she out of her mind pairing? I know a lot of you are like, what is that crazy girl doing? But nobody thinks of it in terms of single malt and pairing like you pair for, for flavor. Well, I'm in Texas. I'm guessing a lot of you eat steak. I know I do. I ate, I ate a half of a cow last night. It was delicious. <laughs> So I've gone to the store and I bought myself a big 32-ounce, 2-inch, grass-fed, grain-finished bone-in ribeye. On my way home to the grill, I'm stopping at Total Wine and I'm picking up the Cabernet because it's beautiful together. That's how, how this can be. It's like, what is the beer and what is the whiskey doing? All right, we've got one more to do. But I want to tell you a little story about the whiskey that we're going to taste and about Highland Park in general. So when we're talking about Highland Park, there's a lot of cool stories to tell. I talked and a lot of things that really separate us from the pack in the single malt world. Um, we talked about these unique casks that we use. We talk about this crazy weather on the Orkney Islands. We talk about the fact that our peat doesn't have any wood influence on it. We've actually had it dated, carbon dated, tested. No wood influence dating back 3,000 years. Um, oh, also, another fun thing is we were inhabited by Vikings, if you cared to know. Uh, we actually are only a part of Scotland by default. In the 1400s, Princess Margaret of Denmark was betrothed to King James I of Scotland, and Denmark... Nordic Denmark did not have the money to put up for the dowry, so they put the Orkney Islands up. And when the money came due, they still didn't have it, so Scotland annexed them. We're only part of Scotland by default. I mean, we're, we're Scottish nationality, I'm very proud of that, but we're Orcadian by the grace of God. As little as 10 years ago, we were still unearthing Viking relics in our peat hill. So, okay, we got Orkney, we've got peat, we've got widow, and there's Vikings. I mean... Could this whiskey be any cooler? <laughs> but there's one other story that we really hadn't figured out a way to tell. And there's a couple of ways you can go about storytelling when it comes to spirits or, or whiskey even. You can hire an agency, which I have done in the past. You can hire them and they create a really cool story and a lot of bells and whistles and PowerPoint slides and we do a dance and it's cool. Or you can decide to create a liquid. How many people think we do okay making our liquid? We figure we're pretty good at it. So we chose to tell the story through a liquid. Uh, the whiskey, that, the final whiskey that we're going to be pairing, but I, I want to talk to you about, is um, Highland Park Dark Origins. This whiskey has been released now for about two years in the United States. It's part of our core range. But what this whiskey allowed us to do is tell the story of a gentleman by the name of Magnus Jönsson. Remember I told you that we were Nordic. Magnus Jönsson, or Jönsi, as the town folk like to call him. And then round about the mid-1700s, Magnus 
he was sort of the de facto mayor of Kirkwall, the town in the Orkneys, in the Orkney Islands where we're distilled. By day, he was a butcher. And I mean, he was a butcher, so everybody had to go to him, whether it was to have their livestock slaughtered or they didn't, his cattle or whatever, they had to buy meat. And he was just that guy, like if you needed to know something or you needed something done, you just went to Magnus. And Magnus knew a guy who knew a guy. You know, he was just that guy. And the local ministry realized that this guy had a lot of charisma and a lot of pool. So they would invite him into the church on Sundays to... He wasn't an ordained minister, but he would he would like help little ladies to their pews or collect money, whatever it is that you do in the church when you don't aren't the minister. But the ministry said, wait a minute, we could take this a step further. People listen to this man. So they would invite him to preach. And occasionally he would take them up on their offer. Who wouldn't? I mean, well, I like to I'm preaching right now. I'm talking, I'm preaching the gospel of Highland Park. But he really didn't want to put too much thought into it, so he took the easy route and preached against the evils of drinking whiskey. Fair enough. But under the cover of darkness, by the light of the moon, our boy Magnus was an illicit whiskey distiller. So we were founded by a bootlegging priest. If the Vikings weren't cool enough, we were founded by a bootlegging priest. Could not, we are still distilled on the site of his original small Bothy still. Such a small area, room that he had to do this, couldn't keep all the barrels of whiskey in there. So he and his crew, because you know anybody that's involved in nefarious activities has a posse or a crew with them, they would roll the casks down the hill and hide them in the church where he preached at. Like under the pews and in the catacombs. So, ladies and gentlemen, at Highland Park, our origins are indeed very dark. So, to honor the man that actually made it possible for me to be here having fun drinking beer and whiskey with you, that's how we chose to tell this story. Bottled this at 46.8 ABV. So, there's some serious nose hair burning going on there, because that's like 93.2. We use double the amount of first fill European sherry seasoned oak cask. Double the amount that we do for our 12 year. What that means is if for the 12 year in the vatting, there is roughly 25% first fill European sherry, this clocks in at about 50. With the 15, we had smoky creme brulee. With the 12, we had smoked honey. The 18, by the way, for me is like a smoked Heath bar, toffee bar. This, imagine taking a really beautiful, fat, ripe Bing cherry in the middle of summer. You know the kind that when you bite into, like the juice just drips down your chin? And you've dipped it in 72% dark cocoa. And then you wafted it over an Orkney peat fire. That's what this whiskey tastes like. So... Let's have a little sip of the whiskey first, because we got to honor Magnus. And that, that proof that we're all a little afraid of, you don't feel it on the palate. It's all in the finish. This whiskey, will, you'll, you're going to feel this whiskey for quite some time. This whiskey goes on for days. I love this whiskey. Are you okay back there? <laughs> and the beer that I've chosen for this is the Deep Ellum Double Brown Stout. And why did I choose this? Because it's got just enough of chocolate malt note on it that it's real. oh, I'm sorry, that was an old pairing. We'll do that. But it is the double chocolate brown. I wanted to do it with the Community Legion Barrel Age. That's why we're back one. You can try the Legion Barrel Age sometime. That's what I tried to get, but they didn't have that. But this is... This sits at about 6% ABV and very light on the IBU. I think it's like 38 IBU. So, start again. Whiskey, beer, a lot of coffee notes. But I get I get cherry. Like it's almost like sour cherry on the back. But boy doesn't it sweeten that whiskey up when you go back to it. I apologize for that last slide. 
I tell you when we first started? So, do, do you feel the need to do that? <laughs> okay, that's cool. What did I tell you when I sat down first? What came out of my mouth before we even started? Some of these you're not going to dig. Some of them you're really going to dig. Some of them you're going to want to go home and try on your own, but I guaranteed you all a good time. Yeah? Oh, yeah. So, very quickly, before... I see the door is now open a crack, which means somebody's spying on me. <laughs> Questions? You can question about beer. Well, these beers. Question about distillery. Question about Highland Park. Highland Park 21? You pair it with your mouth. <laughs> and that's what I pair it with at home. No, but seriously, if you wanted to pair the 21, the 21 to me is similar to the 15. It's got a lot of uh, American oak influence. So you could go down to like, um, like a, a Belgian farmhouse, but not a super yeasty one. Or you could find something that, um, like, like an infusion beer, like a set, that maybe is doing something with like nutty almond, would be really good. 21 is my favorite whiskey in the whole wide world. Sure. Yes, sir. I love this very concept. Are there any principles to how you can do your Well, yes, actually. And they're totally made up by me, so take them with a grain of salt. Um, I start with whatever... Okay, so if, if it's the beer that I really love, say there's a beer I adore. What do I adore about that beer? Do I adore the citrus note? Do I adore the, the toffee malt? Do I adore the cop? What, what is it? I pick out my flavor. And then I'll look for a whiskey that has something similar involved in that. Because any way you shape it up, it's going to, what, what, you, what you like about that beer is going to be highlighted by what you like about, by that whiskey, because the ABV is higher. So first and foremost, pick out whether, whatever side of the fan fence you sit on. You start out with whiskey and you go, I want to find a beer. What do I like about that whiskey? Okay, so I like about Highland Park 12 that it's got this honey, this almost smoked honey. What I like about the, the pale ale is it's got citrus. The citrus notes bring out the honey in the beer, or the citrus notes bring out the honey in the whiskey. The honey in the whiskey brings out the citrus in the beer. So find what you like, and then just start. The beautiful thing, whenever the, I, I would suggest one of the best ways to go about this like I said, you can't go to a, cra- a bar these days without knocking over 29 taps. You order a whiskey, and any bar of worth their weight is going to let you taste little tastes. Say, I want to try this one. I want to try this. Pick one. Say, I, I'm making a decision with my beer. This is what I like about it. Can I have a small sample? Choose it. Yeah. And again, one of the things I caution against is stay away from the Uber Pete and the Uber Hop. Because the palate fatigue will be too great. It just will. Uber Petey and Uber Hoppy. Do you have like a range of sort of max? I stay under 50. That's my, that's my go-to. And that's my palate anyways if I'm just drinking beer. <laughs> you could try it if you're a, a, a hophead. But, but for, the, for the purpose of this, you, you want to, like a hophead is going to, and if you put a, a Uber Hop and an Uber Pete, you're just going to be like, I can't taste anything. But, but Pete and Hop, you might as well just chew dirt and eat hops by the handful. Okay, we've got time for like two more questions. Yes, sir. Guys, can I just ask a favor so I can hear? And the last time Jeff he, he said popular. In other words, let it stay around popular. That's the same thing as with chew. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and he also shows the four the four thousand bottles this yeah, I have four up here. I don't have quite 4,000. <laughs> I've been to the whiskey experience too, but. Yeah. Yeah. Let it get to know you. Let it get to know your palate. And that's what, what this gentleman just said, because I think sometimes I work in a category that is fraught with perceived rules. You can't do this with it. You can't do that with it. You can't. You, once you buy the bottle, go home and wash your hair in it for all I care. It is yours. What do you think makes this spike? That's Highland Park 12, okay? There is no wrong way to drink your whiskey. There is no... It, it would do what you want. 
I mean, what do you, there's cocktails. Why do you think a penicillin exists? It's single malt whiskey in a cocktail, and that's okay. For the gentleman that thought I was out of my cotton picking mind when I was going to pair a Highland Park 18 with a beer, that was a, this one said it was a sacred moment. There's no wrong way to drink your whiskey. And to say, let it talk to you, you should get to know that whiskey. Get to know what you like about it. Let it get to know you. Okay, one more question, and then I'm going to get the boot. No more questions? Well, okay, no more questions to that end. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Hope I delivered. I'm available for weddings and bar mitzvahs, and at the end of the day, I will be out on the main Well, Mark, what did you think of all those beers and scotches? Having those scotches in the Highland Park, and I knew that they were kind of, uh, how you say, a little pricey, generally. But I thought, you know what? I really enjoyed uh, those whiskeys. Uh, I want to sort of relive that whole experience and have some. So I went uh, to the liquor store and did not walk out with Highland Park because it was really quite pricey. <laughs> but um, but my, it was it was a really good pairing, and I. Uh, there was maybe one that I didn't like quite as much, and it was because of the the beer. Um, that just happens to be one that I don't care for as was much. That, was that the stout that you didn't care for that was paired with the Dark Origin? Uh, it was uh, – uh, yeah, it was that yeah. the, the, the double dark chocolate yeah. thing or yeah. whatever. I can't remember what it was now. Um, yeah, but it was the one that she paired with uh, with the uh, Highland Park Dark Origin, which is yeah. my favorite – of the uh, Highland Park uh, line, I love the Dark Origin. Oh, is it? Yeah. So that the eighteen really hit me well. I just thought that was that was superb, uh, and I just thought you know a lot of good thought into into the beers that it was paired with. It really did change uh, your perception of the whiskey afterwards. I mean, there was no doubt. Um, how uh, how impactful that was on the palate. Well, and I, I liked some of her direction, like, you know, breathe the scotch in through your nose, but exhale through your mouth so that you're not burning off, you know, all those little hairs in your nose that allow you to smell things. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was like, oh, wow, that, that, that's actually, yeah, I, I thought she was very instructive with tips like that. Uh, oh, no, I thought that was great. And, you know, most of the time that works unless what you're, uh, what you're smelling is actually pretty much rubbing alcohol. And right. then it just, uh, does like exponential damage to your nose. Right. But uh, no, I've done that. In fact, with my, I have uh, some l- much, much lower end, uh, I guess you'd call it scotch. Some people would probably yell at me for doing that. But something that I picked up at a total wine. And one thing that I found is using some of the techniques that she used, I got a lot more enjoyment out of even a lower quality scotch mm-hmm. uh, just by. Uh, smelling it that way and then uh, doing the little chew yeah uh, she was talking about um, I've, I've, I was very impressed with with how much those sort of amplified the overall experience well you know I certainly talked to uh, Steph after the uh, after the class and asked her the question I think is on all of our minds how in the world do you get that job because you know I can't imagine a better job than than uh, drinking the whiskey, talking about the whiskey, and getting paid for drinking the whiskey and talking about the whiskey. How right. does that How does that happen? I don't understand. And I'd like to point out she she provided no illumination to that. Room. No, there was she she gave no help on that whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I really think it's probably one of those things where there's like five people that may work for a a, a distillery of that size uh-huh. and. One of them dies, uh, they bequeath it to somebody or something like that. I, I, I think it's just I, – I don't even think it's one of those things you apply for. I yeah. would imagine that there's it, – it's beyond that. It's in some other realm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's kind of like it's, Game of Thrones. You know, when the Lord dies, you know, his, his firstborn heir takes over, right? I, yeah. I think that's uh, what happens. Yeah, so it's got to be something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she was she was really elusive, and you can tell she she gets that question quite a bit. But she was going to be of no help whatsoever, yeah, none at all. So you enjoyed the master class? You got a lot out of it? I did. I mean, it really was um, probably some of the highlight of my of my evening. One, it's the first thing; it sort of kicks it off, and you're you know you're really eager to to go ahead and get going with this. Um, but it starts it off with something that's a little bit more um, a cranial, kind of get your head into it a little bit. And uh, 
I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought she did a I thought she did a good job. I was surprised hearing some of the other master classes that you've recorded how tame our class was. Yeah. Uh, even once they got drinking, uh, it was it was really kind of quiet. Especially being right up there at front, I felt very oppressed by the silence behind me. Yeah, it was it, the room was full, but it was super quiet in our room, and I, I don't I don't quite understand that. There were even dudes with with skirts on in there. <laughs> those, uh, are, those are called kilts. Oh, oh right, 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 right. But uh, uh, so I thought, man, yeah, they're going to be they're they're in this. They're ready to party. They're ready to get this going. Uh, they were not. Um, they were not really. <laughs> but um, but regardless, uh, she had a great energy about her. Uh, I think what she was doing was really great, and uh, it sort of ushered the evening in on just the right note. Absolutely. So. It, you know, the our listeners have heard me talk about the whiskey extravaganzas before. Uh, I think they might appreciate your perspective of them, Mark. So, you know, talk about the rest of the evening. Talk about uh, what 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 you saw there, what you liked, and and maybe what you think could be improved. Yeah, absolutely. And just interrupt me uh, when I've either got something wrong or that maybe some other things are different at, at some of the other ones. Um, but uh, you know, I thought it was it was good. They uh, they have a good quality of food when you first go in there, which I think is sort of important for the evening. Uh, you get get a little something on your on your on your stomach um, because as you look around the room, you see that there is a lot to drink. Yeah, you can, and, you really can't drink at all. No, no, I think <laughs> you would be you'd be ill halfway around. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of times, especially I've gone to a lot of beer festivals. And, you know, they'll have the buckets around for people to pour out beers. And uh, I sort of look with disdain at some of those those folks that are really you're pouring it out. It's 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 beer. Just, you know, just drink it. You've got like an ounce and a half. You can do this. Um, I did use the bucket a bit and not because they were bad, but because I really wanted to be able to taste more. And I knew that if I were to drink uh, all of all of the samples I got, uh, I I wouldn't have made it halfway around. Right. Uh, and so uh, I think that those were well placed. There's lots of water, uh, but getting into the good stuff, into the into the whiskey itself, it, I loved having them uh, side by side. I think instead of having them around the perimeter of the room, I almost would have liked something where I felt like uh, there was an aisle or something. Um, maybe even if they split the room in half uh, or something like that. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but it just felt it felt so open and empty in the middle of the room. Um, but, uh, but as you go around the room, having them side by side, uh, and the difference in whiskeys is just amazing. I mean, if you haven't had a lot and I comparatively to a lot of people have not had a lot of, uh, whiskeys and scotches, um, but even on the same table from the same distillery, the, the array of tastes, uh, of, of the, Different notes in the in uh, the smells and the aromas, uh, in the odors, uh, the way that the the alcohol sort of reacts with everything else that's going on with it, um, is is pretty amazing. And it's also you can go buy a couple of tables of what you feel is pretty good, and there's a few of them that just stand out above the rest. You taste it, and it's just like, oh, this is this is Scotch. It has a complexity that. Although in a situation like that, you really don't have the time um, to, and you know the, the the environment to really sit down and analyze. Okay, what's going on with this? Uh, but you can just tell there's there's just a depth of of, of interest there that that is you know beyond some of the other ones. Um, and in that way, it's a lot like like beers. Uh, you go go around at a beer festival. And you kind of get used to, okay, this is what beer tastes like, this is what a stout tastes like, and then every so often you have one of those uh, from a brewery that uh, uh, it stands out, and you go, oh, they really know what they're doing. Uh, so I was really, really impressed with that, and um, the fact that uh, easily a third of those around the room really stood out as being excellent. Uh, and I, to be honest, in something like that, I think that's a really high percentage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, the I always enjoy getting to taste things that that I'm probably not going to be too easily exposed to. But I walked out of there with uh, two, maybe three scotches that I was like, I'd never heard of before, and I want to buy it. Right? Uh, yeah. There was a Glen Goyne and a Glen Grant uh, that I've not been familiar with, and I've been reading up on them all week long. <laughs> I'm tracking them down. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just that. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, so uh, first of all, if, if they've infused anything with, like, uh, pecans, I would recommend not drinking that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then I also found that the uh, the uh, somewhat attractive women back behind the tables do not always have an encyclopedic knowledge of the scotch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, uh, um, I think one of the first tables I went to, she you know, poured me some scotch. I said, now, what's the difference between this one and that one? And she said, well, this one is more – and then she just stopped. And so I started to fill it in. Is it uh, you know, s- stronger? Is it you – know, I, I don't even remember some of the words I was trying to come up with. And then she just finally just opened the top of it and said, here, smell it. <laughs> so I smelled it. I Ah, yeah, and so I went right on to the next table. Smell it. <laughs> Smell it. This is going to tell you all you need to know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, those are what we call in the business booth babes, and uh, uh, they had maybe a 10-minute overview prior to the event to let them know what they were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But then there are others. I mean, like, I forget which table it was. uh the young woman who who was talking there was clearly a brand ambassador. You know, I mean, she knew exactly what she was talking about. She had opinions about what's going on, and I think that's kind of the thing that you ask about. You know, well, what what does this compare to? What's your favorite thing? So that you can kind of quickly gauge the knowledge level of uh, the person who's who's talking to you about whiskey. Well, and it really does help you because when you've got four uh, whiskeys sitting there on the table, and sometimes more. Yeah. Um, you know, you're generally not going to do every single one. But there may be a diamond in, in the rough there that you think, eh, I don't know. It's it's a 12-year. It's not really catching my eye. But, you know, if that person back behind the table says, actually, this has this is really nice and, you know, smooth for, for a 12-year, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it can really turn you on to something that you would have never, ever had before. So I think they, they – I don't know if they underestimate or it's just hard to find enough people to serve. Uh, but the importance of having someone back there that knows what they're doing. Because I remember there was at least – where was the one that you got the uh, – you got your bow tie? Oh, yeah. That was the Lafroy table. Yeah. Well, that chick knew what she was talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And the dude there, he was – you know, he was clearly the, uh, a brand ambassador. But I, if, I, if I don't – if unless I'm mistaken, she was doing a lot of talking. Oh, yeah, she uh, was. And she really knew what she was talking about. And I just – I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, no, the, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about particularly going to the Scotchmont Whiskey Society's extravaganza is that nine times out of ten, the folks behind the table know what the hell they're talking about. You know, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're not, you know, and I'll compare it to the Dallas Whiskey Fest, you know, going up to a place, number one, that's pouring whiskey for people who don't like the taste of whiskey, you know, so they're going to give you, you know, something that's cinnamon infused or honey infused or pecan infused or what have you. You know, they're going to make it a, a slice of apple pie as opposed to making it, you know, a, 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 a more authentic whiskey. Um, and then two, you know, you, you kind of have a minimized number of people pouring you whiskey who know very little about it. You know, we certainly had some of that there at the extravaganza, but I think that it was the exception. I don't think it was the rule. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I think uh, at the very least, even if they were sort of just hired guns for the evening, um, there were there were a lot of times you could tell they weren't like overly – you know, inundated with information about whoever, but they had some opinions about what was sitting on the table in front of them. Yeah. Um, which is, a, which is a terrific start. And unlike the lady that I talked to, you know, first off, they, uh, they had obviously prepped their adjectives. Right. And, uh, I think that's important, you know, because, you know, that's it. the whole experience is almost built on those, on those adjectives and mm-hmm. to hear, Oh yeah, this is, you know, really plummy with a, uh, you know, with a little burn at the back or, you know, a refreshing snap or something, you know, yeah. I mean, all of those things are the things that intrigue you to right. try something you haven't tried before. And a vague uh, hint of lizard. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, who doesn't want a vague hint of lizard? <laughs> 
yeah, I, I, I really enjoy uh, these, you know, Scot- Scotchmont Whiskey Society events, and I, I think they put on a good event. I think you're right; the the, the food is 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 highly acceptable, and the uh, certainly the atmosphere of, of scotching is nice. The only thing that I, I that I would call that they could improve on is if it would be great if there was a patio or something that you could go out and have your scotch with your you could have your cigar with your scotch. Yeah, no, I think that that's Partic- nice, particularly when they're giving out cigars at the event. Right. Yeah. Well, and I guess you know, the, for me, the whole idea of you know dividing the room somehow, or maybe having the scotches either in kind of a cross section in the middle, or at least dividing it in half, um, is you know, for me, atmosphere is a lot. Yeah. And so to have something that feels a little bit more intimate, I think the lighting was good. They didn't have it. They didn't have it too bright at all. I thought it was it was. Uh, really well done on that on that side of it. Uh, the noise, the sound level was was excellent. So I think they picked a great size room for what they're doing on a lot of levels. Uh, I would have just liked a little bit more of an intimate feel sure. uh, to it, uh, just because for me that's a big plus. Um, but you know, the, I think it also maybe having the openness move. There was a lot of people there. Yes. Uh, and so it moved people around pretty well. It never really felt uh, crowded to me. No, and I, I will say that that this crowd was very similar to the crowd last year here in Dallas that I you know when I attended that one. Uh, but it was nothing like the crowd in Chicago. The, the crowd in Chicago, I mean, was shoulder to shoulder. Oh really? Yeah, it was, and I won't say it was oppressive. I had a great time in Chicago, but uh, there, there was a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's due to? Is that I mean, was the room size appropriate for yeah, it, or I, I just think, that there's so many people? I think that there might be more members of the society there in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and I also think you know they they partnered with a private club uh, there in Chicago as well. So you had people who are members of that private club who attended uh, in addition to the society folks. But uh, it, it was it was fantastic. I love the venue, and you know I've, I've talked a lot about that in in previous episodes. But yeah, uh, it's just it's just a fantastic event. Yeah, well, great. I really you know I think it's it's something that if you haven't done it, uh, you got to do it. And um, and if you have done it, you have to do it again. You got to do it again. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, um, it really exposes you to a level. Well, like for example, you know I'm sitting there talking along to. Uh, to some guy about this this whiskey and uh, I'm trying to think a uh, Glenlivet, which I like. I'm a big fan of anyway. Uh, so anyway, he's like, "Oh yeah, try some of this." He's pouring it all around, and someone says, "Oh well, what's the price point of this one?" He goes, "Oh, you know, it's about two forty, two sixty a bottle." And I thought <laughs> this would be the only time that I ever have this, right. and so I hope I enjoy it. Because you're, you're not drinking any of mine. You're, <laughs> you're out of luck, sir. Right, I'm totally out of luck. Well, and the other part is uh, one of the things I really liked was, uh, uh, you know, to begin the the master class, uh, she sort of broke that that rule and kind of came out there and said, "Hey, look, there's no wrong way uh, to drink your scotch or your whiskey, and if if you enjoy drinking it that way, you should do that." Which which kind of amused me because this is the same thing that. Um, uh, people with uh, with beer stuff in the past five six years have really been kind of decrying. Look, you know, if you want uh, you want to have it a little bit colder, or you want it a little bit warmer, or you want to have a uh, you know you want to mix it with something you like your shandies or uh, whatever. You know, you need to whatever whatever makes you happy drinking it. That's what you need to do. Uh, and same thing with wine. Of course, it's been even longer with wine. You know, if you if you like a cold red, then you should drink your reds cold and uh, and so, but for me, being kind of a neophyte and someone who who does enjoy a little water, uh, sometimes up to fifty percent uh, in the glass, uh, it was a, it was a little bit more freeing because yeah, there there was a little bit of cheering, like yes, everybody sh- should just enjoy it, and I didn't feel like oh, if I pour this water in here, they're gonna start, you know, someone's gonna look down at me, right? Um, and I didn't. I, I sort of felt like that was fine. I saw other people doing some sort of some of the same things. So a uh, really great crowd. Um, I thought with very few exceptions, the people that were pouring uh, kept the mood up and the excitement going. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I had a blast. Well, we'll have to do it all over again next year, Mark. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, uh, once again, I want to thank uh, Steph Ridgeway for allowing us to record the, the Highland Park Masterclass. Uh, that, that just thank you so much. We we had a lot of uh, favorable response to the last Masterclass we recorded, so it's nice to be able to share these with the peoples. And uh, you know, if you're interested in the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, I will have links up in the uh, show notes as well as links to Highland Park and to Steph Ridgeway's uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts. So uh, check them out. Excellent, excellent, highly recommended. Big two thumbs up. Uh, four. There are four thumbs. Four thumbs. Four thumbs. Four thumbs up. Five. Wait now. All right. <laughs> That's not a thumb, Mark. <laughs> Three Beers and a Scotch is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call on the Ideology of Madness hotline at 972-763-5903. Leave a comment on the blog or follow us on Twitter. Details in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and always remember and never forget that while you can lead a horse to water, you cannot make him share a single malt. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Thanks.